Welcome back, dear listener, to yet another episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Now you know if you didn't before, and with me is my good mate, Liam WM. How the hell are you? Better than your football team, I hope. Yes, thankfully I am in a better position um, than Collingwood. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good to hear. I'm glad that you're doing well. Um, in case you didn't know, in case this is your first episode that you are listening to, basically there's three sections to it. First section, Liam and I will go over our top two highlights, top two lowlights of the weekend that's just been. And then in the second section, we discuss the major talking points to come out of the round that's just been. And then we preview the round to come. Now, Liam, I'll let you start with this one. What were your top two highlights of round? It was round 11 that's just been. Round 11. Well, I mean, the first highlight, I think, has to go to the Bombers. Courageous win. Uh, in the West. Uh, not many teams can say they've done that. Looking at Collingwood as well, we've uh, part of that quite illustrious club. I think we've won multiple times there. Um, so I think that Essendon deserves kudos on that because, you know, like I said, it's it's an impressive feat to beat West Coast over there. Um, so that's my first highlight. And my second highlight had to be not just the Sydney Carlton game as it is, and I'm sure you're loving this because I'm just pointing out the great weekends that your teams had. But just the fact that, you know, Buddy and Eddie were both just having fun out there. It was just like watching them two in their primes, just going at it, kicking amazing goals. So that was probably my second highlight. And, you know, it can't be any better than seeing the Indigenous players do their thing in the round dedicated to them. Absolutely agree with that one. Uh, first highlight I'm going to mention, believe it or not, neither Essendon nor Sydney, but Melbourne headed into that game on Friday Night Football as the uh, runner-up in the premiership market, uh, premiership favourites market, and ended the first quarter as firm favourites. And they maintained the rage throughout the entire game Super, super, super impressive win, especially considering the fact that it was at the dog's home ground. No fans, as um, I can't remember who pointed this out, but as somebody pointed out, they had to generate their own energy and managed to do that, kicked the opening goal within 15 seconds of the game starting. Always goes a, a long way to helping you win normally. Of course, I'm an Essendon supporter, so you know I do remember that game against the Dogs in 2019 when we kicked the first goal of the game within 15 seconds and then proceeded to concede the next 21 in a row. I am well aware that kicking the first goal of the game within 15 seconds doesn't always mean that you go on to win. I am well aware of that. Speaking of the Bombers, though, we become, I believe, off the top of my head, we become the second team the second club to have multiple wins over the Eagles in WA. The other one being, of course, reluctantly, Collingwood. 29 points down we were in the second quarter. And 
everyone's going to go on about Tim Kelly being injured. Wish him all the best. Oscar Allen, that could have been really nasty. That could have been really, really, really nasty. Um, so thankfully, you know, obviously terrible that he's got concussion, but thankfully for, for what it could have been, it's only a concussion. But nevertheless, fantastic win. 29 points down. Don't forget the injuries that we have too. Might I add how young we are and how we were supposed to be a bottom four team this year. And that went on Saturday night, at least for the preceding 12 hours or so, put us firmly in the top eight. And obviously Riffin won and then knocked us out. But still, who would have thought, even back in round two, that this Dreamtime game would be a battle between eighth and ninth? I am so excited for it. But before we'll get to that game later on in the podcast, my top two lowlights. And I do have to mention this team, Liam, and I'm sorry to do this, but I have to mention them. That first half against Collingwood, oh, excuse me, against Geelong by Collingwood, yikes. That game as a whole, yikes. But goodness gracious me, Collingwood can't score to save their lives. It reminded me a bit of a soccer club in that sense, thinking that only one goal or two goals and a half of football will get them the win. Somebody should tell them that they're playing Australian rules football. Um, just watching, I watched on the couch later uh, earlier this week. He had Gary Lyon, Nick Rewalt, Jonathan Brown, and the other guy whose name I can't remember. And they were discussing Collingwood. Just some interesting stats here. Uh, not to rub salt into the wound, but to rub salt into the wound just a little bit. In 2018 and 2019, Collingwood ranked fifth in the competition for moving the ball from defensive 50 to inside 50. They are now 18th. Stone cold motherless laughs. From the start of 2018 until round 14, 2019, Collingwood were third in the competition for points for and third for points against. From round 15, 2019 until now, they are 15th for points for and sixth for points against. Their defense is still pretty good. It's their fourth worst ever start to a season, to a nine. But, oh, yeah, sorry. There's one more before I get to the but. There's one more horrible stat for you. 17 quarters won so far in 2021. The fifth fewest in the competition. However, bright side, your percentage of 85.8% for a team with a two and nine record is actually the sixth best ever. So there you go. But just for some added context for how bad that first half was. 1898, that's right, not 1998, a whole hundred years before that, 1898 was the 
last time that Collingwood were goalless in a half of football against Geelong. Now, Liam, I know I've already told you these jokes before, but the listeners haven't heard these jokes, so that's why I'm going to repeat them. Back then, that was so long ago, Australia wasn't even a country yet. That was so long ago, Australia, the colonies, we were sending soldiers to fight in the Boer Wars. That was so long ago, that was two years before Sydney experienced an outbreak of Black Death. Yeah, that plague. You know, the plague that killed a bunch of people in the 1300s. Yeah, that plague hit Sydney two years after this game in 1898. That's how long ago this was. Back then, Geelong weren't even called the Cats. Anyways, that's enough of burying Collingwood. On to burying Hawthorne. Oh, how the mighty have fallen. Remember back in the day when you would look at the premiership race and you would automatically just assume that Hawthorne would win? I don't miss those days, but I'm sure Hawthorne supporters do. Yikes on a bike. What was that first 15 minutes? 14 to zip inside 50s, I believe it was at one stage. It was a shellacking. Eight scoring shots to none. And you're very lucky that the Suns were inaccurate. They only kicked four goals, four from that. Imagine if they kicked seven goals, one or even eight goals straight. Game over after the first 15 minutes. And yeah, sure, they pegged the margin back a little bit. But I mean, what are you going to do after that? Like, you cannot start a game against it. And it was a game that they could have won. It was 15th versus 17th. Not the Suns are going to win the premiership this year. 15th versus 17th. At least Collingwood lost to Geelong for crying out loud. And your loss to Gold Coast earlier this year wasn't nearly as embarrassing as Hawthorne's loss to Gold Coast earlier this year. But you know which game I'm really looking forward to watching later this season? Hawthorne versus Collingwood. Ooh, I can't wait for that. Somebody get the popcorn ready. Anyways, Liam, go on. Your top two lowlights. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. The whole Collingwood Geelong game as a whole was just dreadful. And I remember talking to a Geelong friend of mine, and I think it started around back in the third quarter into about the first probably five or ten minutes of the fourth quarter. And the running joke was, no, you score first. No, you score first. Because neither team seemed to want to put the goal through the two main big sticks. So that was kind of a hilarious just encounter of watching two teams that just virtually wanted to give the game to the other, which makes absolutely no sense. Um, Collingwood, obviously, of the two sides were the worst, but I, I can't, you know, let Geelong off the hook just because they came away with the win. They were also absolutely dreadful. Um, and my friend said at one point, is this how every Collingwood game goes? Because if it is, I feel dreadful for you. And yeah, it pretty much is because, like you said, we have a like I've said frequently, our defense keeps us in games, and it's the reason why we don't get blown out because our defense hold off so much. But our forward line entry is just dreadful, and that's why we're so low down the list for goals for since the back end of 2019. Um, and I, and I, I knew this last year, even though we made the eight and we 
finished, I don't know, what was it, seventh or whatever it was, I knew that our team had a lot of problems and probably wouldn't go anywhere. And sure enough, that's what where we're at now. It's finally caught up with us. Um, second low point, like you said, uh, Hawthorne was dreadful, but in the interest of something a little bit different, and my other team, second team in this case, I'll go with the Bulldogs. I think they, they really could have done a lot better in that game. Um, you know, they got beat by 28 points. Granted, against a very good Melbourne side, no one's going to, you know, begrudge them for losing to Melbourne, who are playing brilliantly. But they never took the lead in that game. And the Bulldogs just never looked like they were going to even peg it back. Like they they got, I mean, the biggest deficit they faced was about 38 points. So they pulled it back a little bit at some point. They got back to about 20 points or so. But realistically, the the Dogs just never looked like they were going to win that game. Um, so I think it was a bit of a poor showing in that sense. I was hoping for a bit better a game overall than just kind of a one-sided affair with one side just trying to hang in there. Um, so, yeah, my two teams get my two low points for the week. Oh, this has been a brutal segment for you. But don't worry. We move on to the second segment and we can start trash-talking other teams that we both don't like. Let's start with uh, the the this this section is the um, the questions, dear listener. The, the major talking points that come out of the round that's just been. Let's get to the first major talking point. And my question for you, Liam, is this: Carlton evidently cannot beat a team uh, that's competing for finals football. That much is painfully obvious for any Carlton supporters watching. My question for you though, is given their remaining fixture to come, are Carlton at risk for actually finishing in the bottom four this season? Yeah, I mean, it's weird with Carlton. I feel like, and you'll disagree with this statement, but up until a couple of weeks ago, I felt like it was very close between you guys and Essendon in regards to who was probably a better team. You guys um, and Essendon? Who do you think I am? <laughs> sorry, you guys and Carlton. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so Essendon and Carlton, I think up until a few weeks ago, I was kind of torn on who was better. I thought, you know, both teams, when they play well, look good, but they're both very inconsistent and also falter against teams that they probably should expect to do better against. Um, but with that being said, Carlson have just slowly tailed off this year. Um, and like they're conceding a lot of points. Like I'm just looking right now at the ladder, like they've got a lot of points against. So that's a problem. (laughs) Um, I mean, it's not as bad as St Kilda, for instance, you're actually ahead of them. They're wildly better than, uh, St Kilda when it comes to percentage, almost 20%. But I just think that could Carlton finish in the bottom four? Yes. But I think there's so many teams which could fall into that category. I look at, honestly, I look at the likes of Adelaide. I look at uh, pretty much probably anyone from about Fremantle down, I think, is probably in with a chance. I doubt the likes of Fremantle or St Kilda will fall that far down. I do think probably Carlton down to Adelaide are the main you know, threats of falling into that 15th spot. I wouldn't even write off, I think, Fremantle and St Kilda because those two both are, again, very inconsistent. Um, 
So will Carlton finish bottom four? I don't think so, but it is a possibility. How about yourself? The good news for Carlton supporters is that after that fairly brutal opening, and you know, we can we can trash on them for how poor they've been so far this year, but consider the fact that they have played six out of the current top eight teams in the competition so far. Like that's a that's a tough opening eleven matches, no doubt. Uh, good news is that that means that there's only this game against the Eagles coming up this weekend, one game against Geelong, and one game against Port Adelaide remaining. Only three more matches remaining against teams in the top eight currently, which, given Carlton's run, means that they should should consider themselves a good chance to win their remaining matches. The downside is that upsets do happen. Upsets happen quite frequently in this league. Round two this year, Collingwood beat Carlton. Looking back on it now, that's an even bigger upset than it was at the time. And they play Collingwood again. And they struggled against you guys in recent years. They play the Giants twice, including in Sydney, where the Giants are hard to beat. They play the Crows. Granted, that game is currently scheduled for Melbourne. Who knows where that game's going to be played. But don't forget, Adelaide beat Carlton last year when the Blues were knocking on the door of the finals and Adelaide ended up with the wooden spoon. The Crows beat the Blues. They play the Dockers in Perth. Always hard to play Fremantle in Perth. Much trickier to play them in Perth than it is outside of WA. And they should be St Kilda, North Melbourne and Gold Coast. But with the exception of those three games there, that three-game stretch, North Melbourne, St Kilda, Gold Coast, back to back to back, I can't see a game in that stretch that doesn't either scream a game that they should lose because it's against a team in the top eight. Uh, although we'll get to the West Coast game later because that one's interesting because the Eagles can't travel and have a long injury list. Or it screams massive upset alert. And with their horrible win-loss record, they can't afford too many upset losses. What are they? Four and seven. So ideally, you'd have 13 wins in a season if you want to make finals football, right? You can make it with 12. Rarely you can make it with 11, but 13 is a safe bet normally, which means that they can only afford two more losses so far this year. And out of all of the games that I've mentioned, do you really think, Carlton supporters, that your team's only going to lose two more games for the rest of the year? I don't think so. However, bottom four, I think, is a bit of a stretch. They could they could finish bottom six, but there are more than three teams that are worse than Carlton this year and should finish below them. Like Hawthorne and North Melbourne, they should finish in the bottom four. Um yeah, St. Kilda with their awful percentage, Gold Coast, Adelaide, Collingwood. Like, not to indulge myself a little bit more, 
but I'm going to do it. I, I just, I love this football season so far. I love it. I love it. I love it. Sydney inside the top six, Essendon knocking on the door of the top eight. And there's a chance that the bottom four is going to be some variation of North Melbourne, Hawthorne, Carlton, Collingwood. I'm just, that makes me so happy. That makes me so happy. Uh, I love this season compared to last season, especially. Goodness gracious me. Um, I think this time last year, actually, I think this time last year was the Joe Danaher game against Hawthorne, maybe. Um, I don't know. Anyways, Essendon had such a horrible year last year. I'm so glad that we're doing better. But we're not talking about Essendon. Let's move on to the next talking point. Actually, yeah, sure, why not? Let's talk about Essendon. Next talking point. Can the Bombers actually make finals football? I'll start with this one. Why the bloody hell not? Why can't we make finals football? Looking at the remaining, the only thing I think that will stand in our way is that we are young. And thus we are young, we might run out of steam before too long. But I'm looking at the draw and honestly, it's a doable, it's a doable, um, doable draw for the remaining uh, 11 games. You know, we play the Tigers this weekend. That's going to be tough. We play Melbourne. That's going to be tough. We play Geelong in Geelong. That's going to be tough. We play the Giants again and we play the Swans again. That's going to be tough. And we play the Dogs. That's going to be tough. But if we play like we did against the Eagles, no reason why we can't win half of those games. And our remaining matches, we've got Adelaide, currently scheduled for in Melbourne, North Melbourne, again, and Gold Coast, uh, currently scheduled for the Gold Coast. Why can't we win half of the matches I mentioned before and then all those other matches? Oh, yeah, and we play Hawthorne again. I'm so looking forward to that game. Hawthorne, you are going to get wrecked, I reckon. Wrecked. We're going to get revenge on you for that round one capitulation. So, Liam, can my Bombers make finals football this year? And keep in mind, there's only one right answer. Can they? I don't see why not. I agree. Good man. Um... There's reasons why they could, and there's reasons why they couldn't. Um, I think when they get going, they look awesome. Um, you know, they're an exciting team to watch when they're playing well. But in the interest of taking a bit of fun uh, for myself today, they often don't play very well. Um, and they often capitulate. They often blow leads. There's a lot of problems um, with this Essendon side, as there are a lot of positives. Um, and like you've you know, said, um, they're a very young team, which, you know, it's funny. It seems like every year Essendon have the same excuse of, oh, we're rebuilding. Oh, we're a young team for seemingly the last five or six years. Um, well, pretty much since, you know, the drug scandal effectively, you know, ruined the team, which was what, five years ago now, four years ago. So since then, it's just been a constant rebuild, which I find quite funny. Kind of like Carlton, another team I like to take joy in their flaws. They've been rebuilding for, well, 25 years, pretty much, since their last premiership. Um, but, they're, you know, but they're claiming that it's you know, going in the right direction. And, you know, 
it might come good, like Essendon were. Um, but even if Essendon were to make finals, I don't see them as a serious threat. Um, and they probably won't win a final because they don't seem to do that very often. It's been a very long time since they've done that. So they could make the finals, but I don't see them as a threat come September, should they make it and not capitulate. You just had to go and mention that, didn't you? I was having fun. I was having fun. And then you had to go and mention that. Touche, my friend. Um, look, yeah, we we can't we aren't playing uh, 120 minutes of consistent good football. We play about a hundred minutes of consistent good football. But here's a major difference between Essendon and Carlton, right? So far. That little 20 minute lapse has mostly against good teams have either given us, you know, hasn't provided a, a hindrance to victory, like it, you know, against West Coast this past weekend, or we've fallen just short by like a point or two, like against the Swans earlier this year. Whereas Carlton always seemed to lose between three to five goals, always. Which means to me that our defense is actually pretty decent this year all things considered. And can I just say that West Coast game, after the, the, after struggling to play the power in Adelaide and the Lions in Brisbane, to travel on the road against a so-called premiership contender and beat them after giving up such a large head start, fills my heart with so much joy, so much joy. Now, uh, speaking of those uh, West Coast Eagles, while it was a fantastic win for Essendon, it was an awful loss for the West Coast Eagles. My question to you now, Liam, Eagles now sitting in seventh on the ladder, could West Coast actually miss finals this year? I don't see it happening. I just think... You know, they're doing, I mean, you know, okay, yes, they're, they're struggling at the moment, but they're struggling, okay, yes, they are, okay. Allow me to just, you know, wheel back a bit here. They're struggling in seventh. That's a testament to how good a side they are. If they're sitting in seventh and we're concerned for them. And we've also got to consider the fact that they're virtually missing probably six to 10 of their starting 18. So... All things considered, you know, it's not a bad situation if you're West Coast because you have the potential for so many important players to come back still. You have the likes of Allen to come back. You have the likes of Tim Kelly. You have the likes of McGovern, the likes of Shuey, the likes of Witherden. You have so many players still to come back from injury and you're currently in seven. So for me... Why not? Why not? Could they, you know, make a push for the top four come the back end of the year if the players come back? The problem is, how bad can West Coast weather the storm between now and when those players return? Now, obviously, those players won't all come back at the same time. They'll come in sporadically over the course of, based on the injury list, probably the next month to month and a half. But I don't see a reason why West Coast would fall out of the eight. I think there's more hope for them to make a push for the four come the back end of the season. How about yourself? 
their next few games are really, really, really tough. They play Carlton out of WA, which is a danger game for them. It is a danger game for them. I, I know how much we've been trash-talking Carlton about their inability to beat top eight teams, but this is a danger game for the Eagles. Don't get me wrong. They then play a couple of games at home after the bye, and you think, okay, well, maybe they'll win that. Not so fast, mon ami. Not so fast, because they play Richmond and the Western Bulldogs, two of the best teams in the competition this year. That's tough. That's tricky. And you can't tell me that they are 100% certain to win both games. Actually, you can't tell me that they're 100% certain to win either of those games. They could theoretically lose to the Blues, lose to Richmond, and then lose to the Dogs. And then after that, they play the Swans at the SCG, a ground they haven't won a game at in, I believe, 21, um, 22 years. I genuinely, like, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I remember reading it. I genuinely think the last time that the Eagles won at the SCG was the previous millennium. So um, they also play later the Crows at the Adelaide Oval. And some people might be thinking, oh, but the Crows are average at best this year. Eagles should win that. Yeah, that's what Geelong and Melbourne thought too. I'm just saying. They play Collingwood at the MCG and for the many, many problems that Collingwood has, they're trickier to play at the G than they are outside of Victoria. So they're a chance to win that one, Collingwood. They then play Melbourne at Optus Stadium, which, you know, the Eagles might take comfort in the fact that Melbourne's recent record in WA has been shocking. But it wasn't that long ago when they last beat the Eagles in WA 2018, round 22, which secured their first finals berth in 12 years. And they're the best team in the competition this year. No reason why Melbourne can't win that. And if it comes down to the final round for securing a spot in the eight, guess where the Eagles are currently scheduled to play? Their bogey state, Southeast Queensland, Gabba against the Lions. And I think we all know how that's going to go. Sham awful for them. So looking at that, I cannot see with the way that the Eagles are playing and with their injury lists, because yeah, looking at the injury list, they'll get players back in the latter weeks of the season. But you, you have Carlton, Richmond, Western Bulldogs, Sydney, and potentially the game against the Crows to come before all those players come back. And by the time those players come back, their top four hopes may already be shot to pieces. Missing the top eight? Eh, maybe before this weekend, this past weekend, I would have said no shot because they had their home ground advantage. But now we've breached that defense. And now they have to do what they've only done once so far this year and against the second worst team in the competition in Hawthorne, and they have to win games interstate. 
in order to secure themselves a spot in the finals. It's a terrifying place to be for a club that can't travel. So watch this space. It's going to be very interesting out west. And if they do miss finals football, considering that Tim Kelly was supposed to come in after 2019 and help bolster them, losing semi-final in 2019, losing elimination final 2020, 2021, missing finals altogether, question mark. Wonder how those in the West are going to take that. On to the next talking point. We've talked about two teams in contention for finals. Now let's talk about a team that is nowhere near it. Where to go for Hawthorne? Because Kevin Corns, he said, you know, Hawthorne, they're the team that's furthest away from winning a premiership at the moment. And I read, I don't know if it was on the raw.com.au or foxsports.com.au, one of those two websites um, that said that Hawthorne, if North Melbourne are in year zero of a rebuild, then Hawthorne are in year negative one of the rebuild. Where do they go? Do they keep Clarko? Do they not keep Clarko? I'll start off with this one of Desiree Wright Liam. For me, I think you just you gotta keep him. You gotta have faith in him. Right? They've badly overrated their list the last few years, Hawthorne. Obviously, they do that because they got in all those players from other teams, Tom Scully, Patton, Wingard, et cetera, et cetera, thinking that they could, you know, top up to launch another assault on the, um, excuse me, another um, premiership tilt, pardon me. So my question to them is why not trust Clarko to do it again? Because he did it in 2005. 2004, the year before Clarko arrived, they were awful. They had four wins. They finished second last on the ladder, had a massive clear out. 2005, all these youngsters got bought in. Buddy got bought in. Rafa got bought in. Lewis got bought in. And they, uh, within three years, won the premiership. Now, I'm not saying that within three years they'll win the premiership this time around. At least I sure hope not. Please, God, no. But it's entirely possible. And why wouldn't you trust the guy who's done it before to do it again? I think it would be a major mistake for Hawthorne just because of the last couple of seasons to get rid of Alistair Clarkson. Now, the question is, is Clarko going to stay on his own accord or is he going to leave? I think it was Fox Sports who brought up Mark Williams, ex-Port Adelaide coach, who, uh, according to them, said that he regretted staying as long as he did at Port Adelaide because, you know, by the time he left, the glow of the 2004 premiership had definitely faded into view. So maybe Clarko wants to leave and go somewhere else when his commodity is still hot. Who knows? He's still the three-time premiership coach. But if he stays at Hawthorne for another year or two and they still finish bottom four, maybe he'll also be known as the coach who coached Hawthorne to four bottom four finishes in a row which I don't think he'll like. So I think I look at that. It's clear to me that they need a restart on their list. That much is obvious. Maybe don't get rid of everyone with experience like North Melbourne has this year, 
but you know, most of them. Do you need Chad Wingard? Do you need Jack Gunston still? Probably. But do you need all these players, do you, uh, the youngsters that you have, are they going to be part of your next premiership team? Looking at them, I think CJ is. He's a superstar. But I can't see anyone else. So maybe the rest of this year is just about tanking. And who knows? You could finish dead last and end up with that number one pick. After the AFL for a compensation pick, all of a sudden let's pick one and pick two. Boom. There you go. Liam? Yeah, I mean, I agree with a lot of the points you're saying. The first thing I want to say is no team's ever going to tank. As much as, you know, sometimes it would make sense to, teams just won't do that because it looks, it's just an awful thing to, you know, essentially do. And okay, they could hide it and make it look like they're trying, but we can be, I think we can be safe in the knowledge that the Hawthorne aren't going to come out and say, or even probably do it with that behind closed doors, plan to tank games. Um, I just don't think that would go down well with the players, to be honest. Um, in regards to the list, I agree. I think that there does need to be a heavy shift in terms of how they want to, you know, uh, move the players forward. I think, um, I think there's probably a core group of experienced players which they need to keep, probably half a dozen perhaps, who are there to guide the likes of CJ and the new blood that they'll probably want to bring in. Um, but I, yeah, I agree on that factor. I do think that they really do need to look at refreshing that list if they want to start making ground, essentially. Um, in regards to Clarkson, I think they should stick with him for the time being. I think give him another year or two and then I'd reassess just because you spoke about Clarkson back in 2005 rebuilding and within three years they had a premiership. And no one's doubting that Clarkson's one of the best coaches at least of the last 20, 30 years, if not of all time. Um, but has his ability and his, you know, trade, his work craft began to age? That was 16 years ago now. Is he a bit of a relic in terms of coaches now? Is he past his best, perhaps? That's an argument we need to consider because coaches, you know, do come and go. You look at Mick Moldhouse, unbelievable at Collingwood. Carlton thought, okay, we'll bring in a serial winner, someone who does has done extremely well at Collingwood, completely bottled out. So coaches age, coaches craft does go out of style. That's something we do need to consider. No one's doubting that Clarkson in his day is one of the best coaches we've ever seen. But has he passed his best? Perhaps. So I think with West, uh, West Coast, what am I on about? With Hawthorne, I think it's about just assessing where they are in a year or two and just kind of as time goes by, say, do we still think what Clarkson's doing is taking us in the right direction? And if they're in the exact same position they were this, this time now, next year, or God forbid, in two years' time, I think they'd have to start having a serious debate over whether Clarkson's the best man to take them forward. But for now, I think it's just about biding their time, seeing how they go in the trade period and making the right moves in regards to their list. Yep, fair point. Uh, now, remind me, have we discussed Carlton? We've discussed Carlton, right? Yes, we did discuss Carlton and their bottom four aspirations. 
We've talked about Carlson, we've talked about West Coast, we've talked about Hawthorne, and we've talked about the Mighty Bombers. So now, dear listener, we go on to the third part of the podcast, the third section where we discuss, we preview the round of comers, the first of the bye rounds, one of the games. We have no idea where it's going to be played. Um, the Adelaide Collingwood game. I believe from what I've read that the South Australian government has put it to the AFL and to Collingwood that they'll allow Collingwood to fly in for the game and then fly out. It's all about the AFL and Collingwood, whether or not they accept that. But as of this moment, as of recording this podcast, the Crows and Collingwood game, we don't know for certain where that's going to be played. Sydney, St Kilda, it was supposed to be a St Kilda home game. However, the AFL has swapped the games around like they have a few times this year. Sydney now hosting St Kilda at the SCG. Uh, any other fixture changes? Yes, Melbourne versus Brisbane no longer is going to be played in Alice Springs and instead will be played at Giant Stadium in Sydney. Richmond versus Essendon, in case you didn't know, will be played at Optus Oval in Perth. Excuse me, Optus Stadium. Optus Oval is here in Melbourne. Optus Stadium in Perth. Uh, and the Carlton v. West Coast game will be at the SCG. Now, Liam, I'll let you start with this one. It could be the game of the season. Melbourne versus Brisbane at Giant Stadium. Can the D's keep the party going? Or will Brisbane extend their winning streak to eight? I mean, just the fact, you know, you're saying it could be the game of the season. Melbourne versus Brisbane at Giant Stadium just sounds ludicrous. Um, not so much the teams, just the fact that they're playing in Sydney and they're a Queensland and Victorian-based teams. Um, so I think that takes away from it because I always think that the crowd plays a part in what is meant to be the best games of the season because often you, you get the crowd behind you and sometimes that can spur a team over the line in games that are pretty hard to call like this one. Um, it's so hard to pick this one because Melbourne over the course of the first 11 games have been the best team in the competition for the most part. But Brisbane are probably arguably the hottest team right now in the comp based on just current form, I think. I'm going to go Melbourne. I'm going to give them my support just because I think they've earned the right to be the favourite because for 11 weeks straight they've been on the whole the best team. Um, that's not to say that I don't think Brisbane could pull off an upset here and get the win. I think it will be close though. I, I can't see a case where either of these teams gets blown out by more than four or five goals. Um, but I'll pick Melbourne to get over the line in a fairly close encounter by 14 points. How about yourself? The Deeds dogs game was disappointing. Thanks, Liam. Um, don't know why I'm blaming you for how poorly your team performed, but there you go, I am. Um, hopefully this game is going to be at least living up to its billing somewhat. You're right in saying that Brisbane's the hottest team in the competition, but you look at previous examples of teams that have started slowly, then had an outrageous run like the Lions have done. It's about now when they drop off. Sydney 2014 had the exact same start as the Lions. Actually, they had like a 12 game winning streak. So they lost in like round 17 or round 18, but 
ignoring them. A few years later, Sydney in 2017, they started zero and six and they had an outrageous run until about round 11 when they lost to the Hawks. And then they had another outrageous run and then they lost to the Hawks again later on this season. Man, I used to hate, I still do, but I used to like, I still really hate Hawthorne, but I used to really, really hate Hawthorne back when they were really good. Um, but that's besides the point. I just think that when you have such an outrageous run, a streak like that is supposed to come to an end. And if I'm Brisbane, I'm not saying that I'm going to throw this game away on purpose, but I'd much rather the Brisbane supporters see my team lose now than lose later in the year. So because of that, I think Melbourne's going to win a thriller by 13 points. If the Dogs had won against Melbourne, I would have tipped Brisbane to win. And I would have said Melbourne's clearly in a bit of a rut. But, I mean, did you see what they did against the Dogs? And that was against the, at the time, Premiership favourites. There is no way that I'm tipping Brisbane after watching what Melbourne just did. On to- Can I just say, you're saying, had Melbourne lost to Bulldogs, they would have been in a rut. I mean, with all due respect. <laughs> I, I think it's hard to say a team that would have been sitting, what, second or in a rut. But okay, that's true. But nine and zero to nine and two. Yeah. Okay. You could just say had a bit of a dip. <laughs> it had a little bit of a blip on their premiership-seeking radar. Uh, yes. On to Saturday afternoon football at the SCG Sydney versus St Kilda. I was going to say that this was going to be a big win for the Swans, regardless of where it was going to be played. But now it's at the Swans' home ground, Sydney by fifty-eight points. Um, Do you explain why? <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I can explain why. St Kilda are pretty bad is the easy explanation. Um, and I agree. I, I don't see any case where... Mean it politely. I don't see any reason why... I can't see any reason how St Kilda win this game, to be honest. Um, so I'm with you on that. I think Sydney are going to win. Um, and I think it will be... Fairly comfortable, probably not quite as much of a blowout as you uh, suggested. I'll go with Sydney by 34 points. Very specific. I love it. And I do think you've been a tad bit kind, but the Swans should win. Swans should win. And if they don't, then I will cry. On to Adelaide versus Collingwood, wherever this game is going to be played. Can your pies pull off the upset, Liam? I'm guessing by that look on their face, you're going to say no. Anything in my head would suggest I should say no. But because it's probably one of the few games I actually think we stand a smidgen of a hope in, I'm just going to say yes because I want it to happen. Not because I think it will happen, but you know what? We have a chance in a game like this. So I'd be foolish not to try and give myself some false hope and suggest that Collingwood are going to somehow crawl over the line by 17 points. That is absolutely hilarious. I'm going for the Crows by 20 points. I mean, I'm sorry. They beat Geelong and they beat Melbourne. They'll beat Collingwood. Don't you worry about that. Uh, On to uh, Saturday night football. Dreamtime at the Optus. Essendon versus Richmond. 
Battle of the Sash. Sash Clash. Clash of the Sash, which I what I think it's actually called. Can my Bombers... Now, Richmond have a nine-game winning streak against us. The last time that we beat the Tigers was Dreamtime at the G2014. And I remember that. This is how long ago it was. Dustin Fletcher kicked the opening goal of that game with a 50-meter-long bomb. And Alex Rance had an awful moment, I think in the second or third quarter, where he... Had the ball, instead of going down the line where he had three Richmond players, he decided to kick it across the face of goal and it almost came off his shin and it just dribbled 10 meters towards, I think it was Ben Howlett. Remember him? Ben Howlett, who picked it up and it snapped a goal. And Dimmer called it one of his quote unquote rancy moments. That's how long ago it was. Dustin Fletcher kicking goals from 50 out, Ben Howlett kicking snaps. And Alex Rance having a rancy moment that didn't involve him diving. So that's how long it's been. And most of those wins by Richmond have been very comfortable. Like in 2018, when Essendon had a bit of mojo going after a slow start to the year and the Tigers just won by 70 points. They just looked at us and were like, ha, momentum, what momentum? That's cute. But, but it's eighth versus ninth. And Richmond's form, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. They're due for a loss if that's set to continue. It's away from the MCG, where we know the Tigers are borderline invincible. I'm going to do it. I'm going to tip the Bombers. I'm going to tip the Bombers. I'm tipping us to win by 10 points. And if we win... I will get a noise complaint because I'll be cheering that loudly. I mean, listen to how loud I am now. And the game isn't even being played yet. Yeah, I mean, there's no reason why it won't be a good game. Um, but I just think, I, I can't remember who, I think it was Heath Shaw who said last week that people forget how quickly, how good you are. And he said, by around 18, Richmond will be premiership favourites again. Now, I don't know if I'm completely buying into that because there are a lot of good teams this year who are in the hunt. You look at the likes of Melbourne. You look at the likes of potentially still the Bulldogs. Brisbane, if they continue to you know, manage this form that they've got going. And then there's a lot of teams who, if they can... You know, even Geelong, let's be real, they have the ability to absolutely wallop teams on their day. And then there's teams like we've discussed, Richmond, West Coast, who, if they get their act together, are forces. Port Adelaide as well in the mix. So I'm not sure if they'll be premiership favourites come round 18. But I think it'd be foolish to suggest that Richmond wouldn't be one of the favourites by round 18 if they start to pull things together. Now, the biggest thing, like we've said, is the roadblock for them is there's going to be very few, potentially no games in Melbourne at the G, which is, let's be real, their fortress. So that could be the thing that stands in Richmond's way in terms of getting that consistency going. Um, but I just think that based on, I, I don't know, something's just saying to me that Richmond has a squad that's more set up to get back on track 
than Essendon do to maintain a consistent run of form. So for that reason, I'm going to back the Tigers to get a late run on in the game and get away with a 25-point win. In 2017, Richmond had seven losses for the season. In 2019, Richmond had six losses for the year. They're currently sitting on five. Richmond, if you want to win the Premiership this year, you've got to lose one or two more matches for the rest of the season. I mean, it just makes sense. You've got to lose one to two more matches for the rest of the year. So why not give this game to us? I mean, fundamentally, outside of the event itself, and obviously Dreamtime at the G, obviously very meaningful to the Indigenous players, and obviously it's meaningful to the clubs. But in the context of this 2021 season, this game doesn't mean anything to you guys, but it means a lot to us. So please, consider it an act of charity. Thank you in advance. On to Sunday afternoon football, just two matches on Sunday at the SCG, Carlton versus West Coast. So weird to say. Liam, can the Blues finally beat a team inside the top eight or will the Eagles actually beat someone legit, no offense Hawthorne fans, outside of WA? I'm a bit of a boring person at the moment, but I'm going to tip who I would presume are the favourites in West Coast. Um, actually, I just, Carlton are favourites, would you believe it or not? I mean, okay, I suppose there's reasons why that would be the case. But I still think that West Coast, I just think, similar to Richmond, they've got, they've got the players and they've got the... I mean, you said this game means nothing to Richmond. I think that means, I think that's a little bit of an unfair claim. Um, I think, you know, when it comes to the AFL, every game matters. Uh, and as the slogan says, every moment uh, counts, I think, is, is the, uh, the thing that they say. Um, <laughs> which, yes, is debatable. Um, because, like, there's a lot of just dead moments in games. But similar to Richmond, I think that West Coast, in comparison to Carlton, who I think are comparable to Essendon, um, you know, two sides who are solidified winners, have won premierships in recent years versus two sides who have been in a constant rebuilding phase and have moments where they look really good and moments where they don't look so good. I think it's the side who are serial winners who know how to get the job done who I would pick over the side who, granted, could have a good day, but I just don't know whether they will. Um, so I'm going to back West Coast to actually get a little bit of a roll on in this game and end up winning by 36 points. You're going to laugh. You're going to laugh, right? You're going to laugh because I've talked so much trash about Carlton. I'm going to tip them. I'm going to tip them. And it says less about how good Carlton are and how terrible the Eagles are outside of WA. They can't win outside of WA unless they're playing one of the worst teams in the competition. And Carlton may be average. They're not one of the worst teams in the competition this year, I don't think. And so because of that, and also because of the Eagles injury lists, which could stretch from the MCG all the way to Optus Stadium. That's how long it is 
I tipped the Blues to win by two points. Well, that's also me saying I am not confident in this pick in the slightest, and I'm only doing it because I need to catch up to my dad in the father and son tipping competition that we're in. He is currently crushing me. So, Dad, if you're listening to this, do me a favor and please don't tip Carlton. <laughs> On to the final game of the weekend, Fremantle versus the Western Bulldogs at Optus Stadium. Now, some people might be saying, easy win to the dogs. Easy win, easy win, easy win. I don't know about 2019. I can't remember if the I will double check this as I as I talk. I, I can't remember whether or not the dogs played the Dockers in Melbourne or in Perth in 2019. But 2016, round 23, Matthew Pavlich's last game kicked his 700th goal. Absolute champion and easily one of my favorite players to have ever played the game uh, against the Dogs. And despite the Dogs finishing in the finals and actually winning the premiership that year, the Dockers won despite them finishing 16th. Round three next year, the Dockers are the first team to beat the Bulldogs in WA. 2018, Fremantle win by 54 points against the Dogs in WA. Uh... And in 2019, early in 2019, Fremantle versus the Western Bulldogs, Fremantle won by just over three goals in WA. Now, the last two games, the Dogs have won pretty comfortably, but one of them was in Melbourne and the other one was, I think, in Cairns? Yeah, it was in Cairns. Needless to say, the Dogs don't like playing the Dockers in WA. That much is painfully obvious. But even with that awful recent record against the men in purple, which by the way, I know, I know stereotypes are bad. I know, I know, I know, but I, I just have to mention this, right? As someone who, you know, if you know me, you know, but I just have to say pride, happy pride month, everyone listening to this. And I just love the Dockers purple. That's all I'm gonna say, Dockers purple gets a big tick from me. Absolutely. On to, <laughs> back to this game. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm RuPaul judging fashion um, or whatever RuPaul does. On to uh, Sunday. This game, even though the dogs have struggled against the men in purple, the fashionable men in purple in WA in recent years, I'm just thinking the dogs are too good to drop this game but it'll be a lot closer than what a lot of people think. Dogs by 15 points. Yeah, um, my head and my heart says to go for the Bulldogs, but my gut says Fremantle are gonna pull it out the bag. Ooh. And I don't want it to happen, but just something you're saying, it's gonna be a classic, and they're going to win by three points. I don't want it to happen. My head says it won't. It says the Bulldogs will get over the line in a somewhat comfortable manner. But I've just got this gut feeling that it's going to go wrong and that someone is going to turn up for Fremantle. I don't know who. But someone is going to just spur them over the line to a three-point win. I sure as hell hope it doesn't happen, though. 
Jeez, I tell you what, the last time you told me you had a gut feeling about a game was Anzac Day, and that turned out pretty well for me. So who knows, maybe I might be changing my tip. Uh, I forgot to mention, we do have one little thing at the end of each uh, episode where we each say which game we're most looking forward to and why, and which game we think is going to be the biggest blowout and why. I'll start off with the former. Obviously, the game I'm most looking forward to, it's clearly Essendon versus Richmond. I mean, obviously. I mean, it makes sense, right? Two traditional Melbourne rivals playing in WA, one of the biggest games on the football calendar, no matter where it's played, whether it's in Melbourne like 2019 and beforehand, or in Darwin like last year, or in Perth like this year. And hopefully you'll get a full house at at Optus Stadium, no matter um, what the COVID restrictions are, obviously in line with COVID restrictions. Hopefully they'll get as big a crowd as possible because there is nothing like the atmosphere generated at an Essendon versus Richmond game. And I, one of these years, I so badly want to go to Essendon versus Richmond during time at the G. But I'm most looking forward to that one. Which game are you most looking forward to, Liam? It's hard to look past the first game of uh, the week, um, Melbourne versus Brisbane, because I think this is a big game for both of them. I think especially Brisbane. This is a chance for them to put themselves firmly in the the hunt and in, you know, the talking for, uh, you know, a premiership contender. They're currently sitting in third. They get the win. They're within a game of top spot. And all of a sudden, this extended run is getting quite long. And all of a sudden, they're right in the mix and right in the discussion with the likes of Melbourne and the Bulldogs. Um, so this is a chance for them to solidify themselves as a serious threat. While it's also a chance for Melbourne to, I think, put a bit of a firm gap between themselves and Brisbane, and all of a sudden, you know, it starts to spread out, and we begin to see the likely top two, top three, um, figuring itself out. Um, in regards to the game, I'm least, well, not so much least looking forward to, but I expect to see a blowout. It's the next game on the list, which is St Kilda, Sydney. Uh, we both kind of agree that we're expecting a bit of a blowout there, so. I assume you're going to pick the same? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm tipping the Swans by about 10 goals. So, yeah. No, that's definitely the blowout of the round for me. Uh, Thanks, Liam. Thank you so much for joining me. Best wishes to your pies. Um, This is one of the games where, you know, I genuinely don't like the opposition that you're playing. So I don't mind if you beat them, which is sacrilegious for an Essendon supporter to admit, but there you go. And thank you, dear listener, for listening to this episode of the Through the Banner podcast. My name is Casper McLeod. Join me and a mystery podcast host for next week. Who will it be? I don't know. You don't know. Liam doesn't know. Nobody knows. You'll have to tune in to next week's episode to find out. Until then, all that's what.